Now, this is Box to Box with Rob Gilbus and Michael Edgeley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The kings of storage moving Absolutely fantastic! Hello and welcome to Box to Box, the show that is everything football. You're with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley to run the rule over the past week in the world game. First edition news with Willem van Denderen shortly and during the show we'll be joined by our 250 game veteran of the Victorian Premier League and former Notts County man Dean Hennessy and our former ITN journo turned pundit Derek Dyson. That's a massive show this week with the Euros, the Matildas, Socceroos, Ollieroos all to get through but the A-League Grand Final is less than two weeks away and this weekend we're going to find out which two teams will contest the championship decider with a massive curveball thrown into the mix to add to the uncertainty as the APL announced late on Thursday that the Premier's Melbourne City had lost their right to a home final with MacArthur now gifted a playoff 45 minutes down the road from their home base. We'll talk to the Bulls' journeyman Tommy Orr to get a sense of just how the camp is feeling ahead of Sunday's preliminary final and look at just the fairness of that decision from the APL. The Matildas have bounced back after three consecutive one-sided friendlies with a stalemate against Sweden. Did we see enough to have hope for a medal breakthrough in Tokyo? The voice of the ABC and Fox Sports W League coverage, Stephanie Brands, will join us to make her assessment and we'll wrap up the hour with a full preview of both A-League's finals. In the second hour, Willem will kick off with second edition news and the latest on the Socceroos and Matildas. Then as the feast of football continues with the Euros, our old mate from the Athletic, Rob Tanner, will join us to preview Saturday's blockbuster at Wembley ahead of the 115th and latest renewal of football's oldest international rivalry at Wembley between England and Scotland. And we'll wrap it up as we do after we talk through all the other groups in Europe with a special Euro stoppage time edition. We'll give Willem the chance to state the case for the home of his ancestors, the Dutch, against the might of North Macedonia ahead of the final group match next week to defend the new boys from the terraces. My very good friends, Lardy Angelowski, that is sure to be a bit of fun edge, but uh, it's just fantastic. I love the tournaments. I mean, this is the first tournament in a long time where you actually haven't been there. Um, so you've actually had to get up in the middle of the night to watch matches as opposed to being in the grandstands. How are you feeling about all that, mate? Are you, uh, are you enjoying this different um, uh, well I've had the because uh, it's been a bit chilly Rob down here in Melbourne I've had the the rug out as well uh, late at night to watch the games it's, look it's been fantastic I'm absolutely loving it and um, a lot of those stadiums that matches have been played in I've been lucky to be in so it's a bit of nostalgia for me and I am feeling a bit sick and sorry for myself because uh, obviously uh, the pandemic has, uh, has stopped international travel uh, and a lot of um, the stuff that I do from a business perspective. So I'm um, I'm, I'm loving it though. It's absolutely mm. been fantastic, and and also loving um, watching the Socceroos and Matildas as well because they've they've um, the Socceroos in particular have been brilliant. And thank God we we have to say, and I know Willem's going to outline this in detail, but we all know that the biggest story of uh, course uh, from the opening week of the tournament was Christian Eriksen. So Willem, I'll hand it over to you, and um, and we'll start to uh, to break all of it down, particularly that very much. A very important story about Ericsson. Uh, a, hu- a hugely important story, Rob. Uh, probably the one low point from what has been just a brilliant week mm-hmm. of football all over the world. I want to get to the local stories before we get on to Christian. So we will start, Michael, with the Socceroos. Their 1-0 defeat of Jordan has seen them complete the second round of Asian qualifying with eight wins from eight. Harry Sutar's sixth international goal sealed the streak and ended Jordan's campaign. In swinging corner, Sutar! Another international goal for Big Harry! Goal number six for his country and the tallest Socceroos outfield player ever. Earlier in the week, Matthew Leckie, Fran Karasic and Martin Boyle found the net in a 3-0 win over Nepal. Now, Rob, we know 
just from our history in our last 15 years in Asia, how difficult these assignments can be, even against teams with uh, with three-figure rankings in Asia. So it can't be understated. This is a massive achievement to go and win eight from eight. First time the Socceroos have done it. I don't know question whatsoever against uh, the, the backdrop of, of COVID, delayed matches, all played in Kuwait. Uh, we uh, spoke to Graham Arnold before the, uh, the, the qualifiers took place and uh, the one thing that he wouldn't countenance was discussion about any negatives, would he? We all know he's the most positive bloke in the world. He wouldn't refer to the word heat um, and uh, and he uh, he managed to, to build up the, the the expectation with uh, the domestic audience uh, and they fulfilled it so it was fantastic to see um, you know a clean sweep uh, obviously the, the match against Jordan uh, had a, a pretty uh, nasty ending but what I did like about it was that it did manage to get the Vietnamese through to the next yes. round but we'll talk about that in, the, in a moment yeah we'll have a full wrap of the uh, 47 degrees when they kicked off that game yeah and if you had a said going into that you're going to play four games in similar conditions and have four wins everyone would have taken it and we will have a, a full wrap of the AFC second round qualifiers in the second hour to the Matildas they followed up their 3-2 loss to Denmark with a nil all stalemate against Sweden this week in their final hit out before the Olympics the first clash saw Denmark run out to a three goal lead before Mary Fowler and Claire Polkinghorne reduced the deficit Gilnack delivering low Kvitz and now Fowler what a strike from Mary Fowler straight into the top corner for her first international goal. Michael, the second clash was a, a far better defensive performance and it did end that run of three straight losses under Tony Gustafsson. Before we speak to Steph Brandt uh, later in the hour, what were your key takeaways briefly from uh, this, this camp? Mackenzie Arnold won't be in the uh, international setup much longer. Tegan Micah well and truly uh, has nailed that position as goalkeeper, uh, which is, which is um, a good thing based on McKenzie's performances anyway. Um, the other takeout was that uh, Kyra Cooney-Cross and Mary Fowler will definitely be a big part of uh, the Olympics and probably the, the Women's World Cup in 2023. Uh, and, and Steph Catley, she's got to play in the centre of defence, uh, either alongside Alana Kennedy or Claire Polkinghorne, based on how they're going, because um, she provides so much stability down there. And I, I, and I think... Um, uh, it's pretty clear that he's looking to select players that can play in multiple positions. So, um, not all not all good, not all bad, but um, at least they're improving it. And, and you know they've been apart for so long. So um, a new coach has brought uh, a new system. They need to learn that. They've got a lot of work to do before the, the before the um, the battle of the co-hosts. Uh, Australia and New Zealand, the opening match in the Olympic Games. Edge, does this end the international t- tug of war for, for Mary Fowler? I mean, uh, it, it's still in play because she well, hasn't Well, it's in, in play until the, the Olympic Games, yeah. that's right. So uh, I believe so. Yeah, I believe so. Viacom, CBS and Paramount Plus have paid an additional $100 million for a suite of content a month after securing the A-League and W-League. The rights include all Socceroos and Matildas matches outside of the World Cup finals through until 2024. That, of course, includes all of the qualifiers and Asian Cups and domestic the FFA Cup. Executive Vice President of Viacom, Beverly McGarvey, has said a significant amount of content will be shown on Channel 10, such as the FFA Cup. Uh, Off the announcement a couple of weeks ago, I think this is the best possible uh, outcome we could have hoped for, particularly as consumers. Rob, we know, or Michael, we know that we're all all our wallets and purse strings are getting a little bit stretched by the the fragmentation and proliferation of the uh, of, of streaming services. So this is what many people wanted, one-stop shop, one-stop home for, for football. Edge, reading the fine print of some of the agreements, and, and I want to just sort of talk to the Optus agreement briefly, they still need to find a free-to-air partner for some of the Matildas World Cup matches, don't they? So, uh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Optus, has, Optus has got those streaming rights for the Women's World Cup, so they can partner with a free-to-air a free-to-air partner for the Women's World Cup. So, so even though that wasn't part of the announcement, we'd expect that that will happen in the fullness of time? 
10 and uh, and Paramount, or 10 in particular, will need to talk to Optus about mm. on selling those rights. But this is the biggest and largest uh, deal for the Socceroos and Matildas ever in the history of, uh, of broadcasting. It's the first direct commercial free-to-wear broadcast deal that if, that Football Australia has been able to do for the national teams. Um, and obviously, as to pick up Willen's point, uh, for fans, we're gonna, it's going to be the one-stop home for A-League, W-League, um, Socceroos, Matildas, everything included in that. $100 million at the end of 2024. It includes, uh, obviously, Contra. And obviously, uh, for those people who know, the FA, Football Australia, needs to purchase its national team package for the away games from the AFC. So we don't know exactly what the bottom line is, bottom line is for uh, for uh, uh, the FFA, Football Australia in terms of cash in the bank, but it's going to be a significant injection. And the big story, as mentioned off the top, Christian Eriksen has said thanks for the sweet and amazing messages he received following his heart attack on Saturday, stating he is fine in the circumstances. Eriksen's collapse was one of the most distressing things we've seen on a football pitch in some time. I don't think that's overstating the matter. With those in close proximity clearly distressed as he received treatment, Belgium have announced they'll kick the ball out on 10 minutes in their upcoming match against Denmark as a tribute. I was up watching this one live unfortunately Rob and it just turned so quickly mm. it was the teams just sort of casually knocking the ball around the last couple of minutes to get to um, to half time and just like that it turned into a, into a full blown um, full blown disaster more or less and they say that it's probably the best place you can have a, a medical incident like that on a professional sporting pitch given the proximity of, of defibs and people who, who know how to use them properly so considering it took so long given all of that was uh, was hugely concerning so yeah, good was all the, the best to him. captain yeah, yeah Simon Cowell, Cowell, he, uh, he took his uh, obviously Cleared his airways, got him in the recovery position. Organised the guys to shield him. Yeah, that was... Consoled the wife. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he did everything. Yeah, no, it was, it was incredible. And you know, obviously there was a bit of controversy about the coverage, but I think that needs to be set aside. I mean, everyone can be a critic under those circumstances. It's a pretty difficult and, you know, unique uh, scenario that we're in. And uh, obviously, cash by Schmeichel, I tell you, that guy, he, he's everywhere there's a big story, isn't he? he? Is, I mean, yeah. you know, uh, he, um, you know, obviously... Shy. Yeah, exactly. Well, the, the fans, the Finnish fans singing Christian and the Danish fans mm. singing Ericsson yeah. to each other was very special. Yeah, it was brilliant. The fans were magnificent. Unfortunately, UEFA have been defending uh, or they've come under a bit of fire for the resumption of that clash. Claims have circulated that Denmark only did so under pressure that they were given an ultimatum to either um, play it then or play it the next morning. UEFA said they're sure it treated the matter with the utmost respect for the situation and that both teams requested to complete the match. So we'll see if that goes any further. Yeah, look, everyone was under pressure under the circumstances. Decisions were made whether they were right or wrong. Um, Thankfully, Ericsson's life was saved and I think we've just got to be happy about that and move on. Um, so hopefully we'll see a good fairy tale for, for Denmark and, uh, you know, th- that story's not over yet. All right, we'll um, stick around after the break. We're going to uh, talk to Tommy Orr because there is a massive match coming up this weekend. They've been given a home match against the Premiers. How can you believe that at a neutral venue? No, I'm sorry, but uh, uh, strictly speaking, it, it might be neutral, but um, in the, uh, the reality, it's not. Uh, we'll talk to Tommy Orr about that after the break on Box to Box. Box to Box. For Chemist Warehouse, home of real brands and real savings, and Storage King, the kings of storage, moving and more. And this could be the most yes, this is Box to Box. It's a jam-packed show this week. Uh, we're going to range all over the world from the Euros to Matilda Socceroos, Ollie Roos. But the biggest match matches this weekend are the uh, the two grand final qualifiers, and one of them includes the debutants to the A League. We waited ages to get expansion, and that expansion uh, has clearly been a success for Ante Milicic's men. The Bulls. Uh, of Campbelltown in their very first season. They're one step away from making the grand final. They just made the six, but they're nearly there. And join us uh, 
former Socceroo and uh, a man who's played with several A-League clubs, but right now he's with MacArthur. Tommy, or how are you, Tommy? How you going? Thanks for having me on. No, mate, we're really good. And uh, look, um, as a, a bloke who was born and bred in the, the west of Sydney, uh, um, I just know how passionate uh, the people of the west are and, uh, you know, the, the greater southwest uh, reaching down into Campbelltown about football. But it's a very, very competitive market. And uh, you just had to be uh, winning from the get-go to, uh, to to get some interest. There was no real option there, was there? And uh, the squad that uh, Ante put together, a senior squad with a, a mix of, uh, of rising stars, has, has, uh, has got the job done. Yeah, I mean, um, I guess from our perspective, the job's not done. Um, there's obviously, we're still ambitious and we have a strong belief in our squad that we can go all the way this season. But, um, I mean, yeah, looking at the bigger picture, I mean, this season on the pitch has definitely been a success, um, as you said, to, to make the finals in our first season and to obviously win our last game against the Mariners and, um, yeah, come up against Melbourne City. Obviously, good outfit this weekend to make the grand final. I mean, um, yeah, it's almost been a dream first season for, for MacArthur. And you've got a... a, a um a little golden ticket, uh, Willy Wonka style, when oh, uh, Craig O'Rourke, exactly. Uh, so he says that uh, we've moved the match to a neutral venue. Now, mate, I don't know how neutral 45 minutes away from Campbelltown is, but uh, but how about that? Um, you, you're going to play, play the Premiers um, pretty much in your own backyard. I mean, I feel a little bit for Melbourne City. Obviously, they, they won the minor premiership and they deserve to, to have a, a final played at home in front of their fans. But, I mean, obviously, COVID, you really never know it's around the corner and you always have to be a little bit flexible, as we saw at the end of last season as well. I mean, um, from a playing player's perspective, you really, never really know it's around the corner. And, I mean, this time it's worked in our favour, as you said. So, um, for us, it's really excited and um, hopefully we can get um, a lot of Bulls fans to the game on Sunday and really get behind us and help us get a good result. But, um yeah, I guess it has worked out in our favour, as you said. It's a game of inches, Tommy. You take all the the, uh, the luck you're getting in football, don't you? And um, that's a that's a it's obviously a great opportunity for MacArthur fans to get to see a game that they but weren't necessarily thinking that they would live. Um, but just tell us about your year at, at MacArthur. I mean, new clubs are always. Um, Always an interesting uh, project um, in terms of getting up and going. And um, just how's the experience been um, playing at a new club in the A League? And how have you enjoyed um, just sort of you know building a culture and um, and sort of making uh, your destiny out of what you can achieve? Yeah, it's been um, it's been a really exciting season. Um, as you said, obviously when you go to a new club, you never really know what to expect. Um, Obviously, building the club from the ground up, not only in terms of you know staff, players, but also facilities and all those types of things. Um, it obviously takes a bit of work, and there's always a, a little bit of teething problems, um, I guess, with, that comes along with that. But I think um, the one thing that was for certain, even before I joined, and was a big part of the reason why I did join, was uh, working with Ante. Um, I've obviously worked with him in the Socceroos and the Young Socceroos for a long time, so I've, I have a really good relationship with him and. I knew what the football would be like and what his approach to, to the matches would be. And for me, that was the most important thing. And um, I guess it's it, um, kind of, yeah, it delivered exactly what I thought it would on that front. And um, well, yeah, that, that's really pleasing. And I think um, we've also got a lot of it, quite experienced players in the dressing room to help, you know, um, overcome a lot of the, the off-field stuff that, um, to be fair, they, 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 they've looked after us every step of the way. But, you know, it, it's a lot of the problems with the new club are... Um, a little bit unavoidable and it's just um, waiting for facilities to, to be completed and these types of things and I feel like we've got a really good 
group of boys that sort of made the best of it. Tommy, last week, I mean, you spent some time at Central Coast Mariners, so I'm sure, sure you can appreciate and reflect on the journey they've had this season. Uh, and um, when James Meredith got the red card, I don't think anyone thought you were going to win 2-0 in extra time, but it was a remarkable game and a remarkable performance. But to sort of... a, a Two questions in one for you. Just can you reflect on just the the journey that Central Coast has had as a former player and uh, watching the success they've had this year, and then obviously reflect on just the the fight back uh, with ten men and and how much you take out of that uh, for this week's game. Obviously, yeah, it's been a really difficult um, last five years or so for the club um, and for the fans there. So I was really pleased to, to see a lot of my friends that are still playing at that club as well have have a really good season this year. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel it's the least that the fans deserve there. And I feel that, um, yeah, you know, a lot of the boys have been through a lot. So to finish third was a great achievement. But um, for me, I guess, coming up against them last season, the semi-final, um, my focus was purely on getting the job done. And I thought that, um, obviously, they had, had done us three times previously in the regular season. So we knew it was going to be a really tough game. Um, but I think that in our squad, we got such, um, such experience and not only... A-League experience and A-League, you know, winners, previous A-League winners, but we've also got a lot of international experience. So, I mean, in, in a one-off finals game where players are nervous and these types of things, I mean, uh, I think that our experience holds us in good stead and we know we've got the, the young players that can, can come on and make the difference, which is how it turned out last game. Um, after the red card, we knew that, you know, bringing on players like Michael Roos and Jake Holman and these types of players off the bench um, against tired legs, they're always going to be a handful. So that was kind of the way it panned out. So um, that was a really pleasing night for us and definitely gives us a lot of belief going into this week. Tommy, I mentioned off the top uh, what a competitive sports market it is in Western Sydney. Um, wh- what's your sense of just how uh, deep the roots have, uh, have managed to penetrate into the, the local uh, sporting consciousness? Uh, there's obviously uh, you know, a rugby league team that, that shares uh, its time between uh, the inner west and, and Campbelltown uh, and, you, and you're competing against them. So what's your sense of the local uh, support uh, for the club in their division? The fans have been awesome for us this year and I feel that um, as time has gone on, the support's only improved and I think word's got out about um, the club and, you know, that they're becoming more embedded in the community and I think that as well, um, you know, the club's got really big ambitions and that they've really got an eye on the bigger picture and if you look at the kind of facilities that they're, they're building and the academies they want to set up and these types of things, they're, they're really um, targeting the younger generation and really trying to uh, leave a sort of legacy for the region and I think that that can only kind of bear fruits in years to come. So, yeah, obviously we're, we're hoping that this is only the beginning of the journey and that um, the best times are ahead of us. Tommy, one of the underlying uh, stories of this final season, and I'm sure throughout the dressing room as well, is that it is, of course, the, the swan song of an Australian legend in Mark Milligan, someone who you've crossed over with uh, a fair bit over the journey in terms of national teams and now at MacArthur. Could you just reflect on what he's done in setting up the club in their first season and also what you think his strengths will be uh, as a manager as he moves into Ante Milicic's back room next season? Yeah, um, as you said, I've played with Milly for a long time now so I've um, got a really good relationship with him and I'm quite good match with him off the pitch as well but yeah he's, he's just a natural leader I mean you have a lot of players that lead, lead through example whether it be through their actions on the pitch or maybe they're talking off the pitch and these types of things but he's kind of a true leader in, in every sense of the word um, you know he's, he's one of the, the most respected people in the dressing room and he's um, on the pitch as well he, he's, a, he's a warrior on the field and no one likes to play against him he really leads by example on that front as well and I mean, yeah, he's just the main guy at the club, basically. And he's um, even back in looking back in the soccer career that he has, obviously captaining his country. And 
I feel that he's left a, a really good legacy for the next generation and you know, he should be really proud of all his achievements. So it's been a pleasure for me to play with him for such a long time. But um, now going into coaching, I think that he's um, definitely got all the ingredients to become a very good coach and the uh, natural leadership qualities that I mentioned earlier, I think that they uh, will hold him in good stead. Good luck on the weekend, uh, Tommy. It's going to be a massive game. I mean, we know that... Uh this, the form that City's been in, and uh, and it's a great late season resurgence by yourself. But I'm just going to um, test my colleague uh, Rob Gilbert's uh, his knowledge of how deep it is of football because I'm I'm probably one of the only fans, uh, Tommy, that have seen both of your international goals. I happen to be in those, and um, I just wonder if Rob can remember where Tommy scored his two international goals. Tommy. Tommy scored his two international goals. As I look at Willem putting his hand up and saying, of Willem course, knows. Of course I do know, but I do know exactly where they were. One was at Saitama and one was at, uh, at uh, Spartak um, in uh, Kyrgyzstan. Yeah, so Bishkek. Now, uh, there's not many people yeah, who would have seen said, both your goals. Sorry, Tommy, right. Willem actually knew that. And, Jeez, it um, would have been impressive if someone had known that without yeah. looking at the computer. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but this, this is the teamwork that goes on in this show, Tommy. So, you see, uh, they're throwing me under the bus for actually looking at the computer. Where, you know, if it was a real team, they would have said, geez, Rob, you're a legend. Tommy, can I just ask, <laughs> after all these years, the goal in Saitama, shot or cross? Oh, it was definitely cross. So. <laughs> <laughs> Good man. <laughs> I'll, still, I'll still claim it. No, they were fantastic goals, important goals mate. for us too. Uh, um, I mean, the, the, the draw in Saitama was crucial and, uh, and obviously... Getting a goal on the road in uh, in Bishkek of all places was pretty good, and mm. I feel like I've got a connection to you, Tommy, because I saw them both live. I'm pretty happy about that. That's unique, definitely. As you said, I don't think many people would have seen both. That's right. But well done, and good luck on the weekend. We love talking to you, Tommy. I know, um, I know, uh, you'll be looking forward to it, and hopefully, some MacArthur Bulls fans can ring the bells. Perfect. Thanks for having me on, guys. Good on you, Tommy or Tommy Hoy, ahead of their uh, grand final qualifier against Melbourne City this Sunday. We'll preview both matches a little later in the hour. But next, we're going to talk to Stephanie Brantz about the Matildas. Uh, clawed a little bit of uh, their uh, pedigree back against Sweden the other day. But, uh, geez, there's a long way to go before Tokyo in every sense of the word. We'll talk to Stephanie next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you for Chemist Warehouse, home of real brands and real savings, and Storage King, the kings of storage, moving and more. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box on Nine Radio NTS News Talk Sport. We talked about a feast of football this past week, and we have fortunately seen some glimmers, some signs from the Matildas after three pretty one-sided affairs in their opening three friendlies under Tony Gustafsson, a stalemate against Sweden. Did we see enough to have hope for a medal breakthrough in Tokyo? We are joined by the voice of the ABC and Fox Sports W League coverage, Stephanie Brent. How are you, Steph? Really well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, Steph. And I mean, did we see enough? Uh, there were... Uh, uh, a lot of uh, <laughs> signs out of those first three games that uh, our world ranking um, belied our expectations for Tokyo. But, you know, Tony uh, was given a pretty uh, harsh welcome to reality. But things seem to be getting back on track in that last game. Yeah, I think so. Did we see enough? No, not for mine. I think if we're going to be truly competitive on the world stage, we want to see a whole lot more. But you've got to take into account the mitigating circumstances and and. 
Tony Gustafsson did have a, uh, a harsh introduction to life with the Matildas. However, I don't think that was any surprise to him, a team that hadn't come together in over 400 days. And he specifically chose some really tough teams for them to play to get a, a handle on exactly where they were at. And I think the answer he got was there's an awful lot of work to do. <laughs> uh, there was uh, glimmers of hope in the game against the Swedes. I think both sides were playing less than their first 11. So I'm not sure how much we can take from that. Uh, but for Tegan Micah to keep a clean sheet on debut is a, a, a wonderful uh, performance for her in her um, first appearance for the Matildas. Uh, I like what we're seeing with the youth. There's a lot of promise coming through. Whether they'll be ready for Tokyo in uh, not too many weeks is one question. Uh, I think Tony Gustafsson's focus will be what's happening in 2023 for the World Cup and that's what he's building towards. A better defensive effort is the positives that I took out of that match and it was good to have uh, when we see the likes of uh, Steph Catley and Ellie Carpenter coming back into the side. Uh, but I think that uh, what we saw up top is that when Sam Kerr is marked out of the game, as she is repeatedly going to be, because everyone knows about her, everyone knows how talented she is and how dangerous she is, uh, then we need other options up top. So speaking of one of the players you mentioned there, uh, Tegan Micah, the UCLA star, she replaced Mackenzie mm. Arnold uh, after she shipped 13 goals in three games. Does this pretty much signal a changing of the garden that um, that we should expect more of Tegan Micah uh, in the custodian's position? I think it's a possibility, but I would have to say I would still feel that Lydia Williams is our number one, so they've got to knock her out of that spot first. I think potentially Lids didn't need as much time because she had a great back half of the season at Arsenal under Joe Montemuro and I, I think it's uh, well understood what Lids can do between the sticks so it was good to get a look at, at what the others can do and I don't know about you guys but I always feel sorry for keepers you, you're either in the job or you're waiting and hoping that someone retires it, it just seems like the most frustrating position you could possibly choose It's pretty tough isn't it Steph but surely Mackenzie Arnold, uh, Arnold's passport at international standard has been stamped I mean the performances were not up to par were they they were um, she was at fault for uh, many of those uh, 13 goals that were shipped. So with Tegan Micah's performance, I think we may have seen the last of Mackenzie. Do you agree? I think it's a possibility. Uh, we do have other keepers. There was the likes of uh, Casey Dumont and a couple of others who were being tipped to to come through. I don't know how much you can say about uh, Macca's performance, though, because we had a severely weakened back line. Uh, we did not have uh, the regular back four. We had errors from other players, and I'm thinking of the likes of um, Tameka Yallop, who's so much more experienced than, than what that second goal against Denmark would have you believe. Uh, and so she didn't have great support in defence in front of her. However, yes, I would think that uh, if Tegan continues to show promise, then then Mackenzie would feel like she's under pressure. Let's have a look at the selection for Olympic Games because obviously um, it's only in an 18-woman 18, 18 squad. Um, two of those will be goalkeepers, so 16 outfielders. It means Gustafsson's got to choose players that can play in multiple positions. Games come in every three or four days. Um, let's look at the forwards. I think Kerr, Ford, Rasso, Gilnick are probably a lock. So who do you take, Kai Simon or Mary Fowler? 
I would take Mary Fowler, and with no disrespect to Kaya, but Mary Fowler's the future, and that's what we're building towards in, in 2023. Kaya's reliable. If there were more spots, I would certainly include her, but uh, you can't go past that absolute belter from uh, Mary Fowler. We saw a couple of games ago, and she's shown she's not scared of the uh, the big occasion and uh, a promising start for her. So, you know, if you're looking for someone sort of, perhaps not a dark horse, but if I was having to choose, it'd be Mary. What about the, we've got a, experienced contingent that have I mean they've, they've, they're established Matildas they're regular uh, performance they play at a high standard but they've played virtually no football for the last three or four months and that's obviously Kai Simon uh, Keller Knight and Steph Catley um, there's a risk if you take all of them isn't there on the basis that games come thick and fast and if one of them falls over it stresses the, the rest of the squad so um, does Cooney Cross take potentially Keller Knight out I was just about to to say that I don't think you can leave Steph out because if you can keep Steph fit, we really need her in that really really that wing back position that she's she's made her own. We just don't have that many other options, and when she's on fire, she's one of the best. As for KK, she hasn't had much football, so I would certainly be looking at uh, Cooney Cross, another one that showed so much uh, promise during the W League season. And then really built on that in the last couple of games where, where Gustafsson's given her an opportunity. I think she'd be great. Doesn't leave KK out of World Cup contention, but gives her a little bit more time to get some some minutes under her belt. So, Steph, you've already indicated your preference for Mary Fowler um, over Akai Simon. Uh, does that suggest that re- renewal should be the theme for, for this uh, Olympic squad? I mean, it's going to be tough uh, with Sweden and the USA in the group. Mm. Uh, I mean, we've got to be realistic about what our expectations should be. Should this really be a planning exercise for 2023? Well, realistic is the, the key word there, isn't it? And I watched a lot of these players that we're talking about come through playing their football, and I'm really uh, sad to be saying, look, it's time to give others an opportunity. But there's not that much time between the Olympics and the World Cup. And a home World Cup, we want a strong performance. Uh, we've got to see those players in these sorts of tournaments now. Uh, whether or not they get onto the podium is one thing, but building cohesion in a team that uh, Tony wants to take forward is the important part and he's really got to be quite harsh in his assessment of who is going to be at their peak in a couple of years time and uh, yeah I think we're looking at those youngsters and it just breaks my heart because uh, the others have had such wonderful service to the game over the years. Carly Lloyd at uh, 38 years and 332 <laughs> days has become the oldest player to ever score a goal for the USA's uh, women's national team when she scored um, in last weekend's friendly against Jamaica. Lloyd's chasing her third summer Olympic gold medal in Tokyo, which will sit comfortably alongside her two FIFA World Cup championships. She started in the last seven matches of the USA's women's national team and a pretty handy um, front three there with Megan Rapone on the left and Christian Pless on the right. So while uh, we're thinking about renewal, um, is America going to go to the <laughs> Olympic Games with a 39-year-old uh, Carly Lloyd leading the line and, uh, and taking home her potentially her third Olympic gold medal? You wouldn't put it past her, would you? And when you talk about players of that calibre, the only one that sort of comes to mind is a martyr that went to so many World Cups at uh, such, and I laugh when we say advanced age because they're so much younger than me. However, (laughs) when you look at the talent of those players and the way the team is built, they can afford to do that. And if they're still performing at that level, I mean, you don't bet against the US at the Olympics. They did have uh, a horror show on on one occasion, I think uh, against Sweden from memory, and got knocked out early, but they've won so many golds. They know how to do it. 
and uh, they have the team to do it. I think they've got enough youngsters coming through, but with a, a Rapinho and a, and a Christian Press alongside her, I wouldn't bet against Carly Lloyd being there and, and potentially, yeah, getting another gold around her neck. Absolutely. And, uh, well, there's plenty of positives for the Matildas. Let's focus on a few of them. Hayley Rasso, she played a 50th game, but she she's uh, really turning into an elite player. Ali Carpenter just looked so comfortable uh, slotting back in. And, obviously, the big positives for a, a renewal perspective was Mary Fowler. Every game she plays, every minute she plays, she's looking more and more comfortable. And, and Kyra, we just know how comfortable she looks on the ball. She never looks out of place. And uh, she obviously... Um, um, probably did enough to give Tony Gustafsson um, a bit of excitement about picking her for the Olympic Games. So there is a lot of positives in what we've seen. It's just been the defence, hasn't it, Steph? It really has. And I mentioned before the, the problems we had earlier. Steph Catley has been out with injury. Ellie Carpenter had her whole uh, Olympic Leon A team during the Champions League, uh, kept at home because of a uh, COVID scare or COVID within the team. Uh, so we haven't seen what they can do at full strength all together repeatedly game after game but that's the reality of uh, football for the Matildas at international level now they're going to have scant opportunity uh, to be able to do that so they've got to slot in immediately and yeah you're right all those players you named and, and one I would pick out Hayley Razzo uh, had a great season at Everton and she's been earmarked as not exactly a utility player but one that can fill various positions and yeah, she's been playing a, played as a wing back too didn't she yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she, she which was is all unusual over the yeah, and I think um, Caitlin Ford's one of the only other players, I think, in that team that I've seen play nearly every position on the park and, and fit in and, and fill those positions with aplomb. And they're going to be the valuable players. When you've got a shallow squad or you've got a you know really short bench with only 18 in the entire squad, then you need those players that can fill in and, and fit anywhere when, they, when they're called up to do that. So players like that are really, really valuable. Uh, the youth are young and fit. They're all playing at good standard now, and that is nothing against uh, Australian football or the W League, but you can tell the players who are playing in Europe have stepped it up a notch. Ellie Carpenter's game's come on in, in leaps and bounds since she joined Lyon. Uh, the, the ones playing in Europe, well, we haven't had much of a chance to see Mary Fowler, but you can already see can tell, how easily she yeah. slots in. Yeah, She's absolutely. Playing at that top level is so Important. Yeah, holding down the nine at uh, Montpellier in the French yeah, league. Yeah, and it's fantastic. Impressive. And that's what's been really important. So I think, yes, we need to plug a few gaps in defence. Who does that? I don't know. I think um, Polks is probably looking at her last uh, tournament. I'd love to see her in uh, in Australia in 2023 playing for the Matildas. But, uh, you know, she's not exactly being shoved out of that position. There's no one really... Uh, coming through saying she she has to she has to go because she was solid in the last uh, last game or two so yeah we do have some youngsters coming up but our, our young defenders are really young and and we saw quite a few of them through the w league here so i think that's the position or the positions that we need to concentrate on looking forward well, Steph, I think one of the things that we can take from all of this is that we've seen the worst of the Matildas over the past month or so. So <laughs> let's be positive and look forward to Tokyo. Uh, we've got some of the, the best players in the world in our squad. There's no question of that. Renewal or otherwise, uh, we will be competitive. We know that. So let's look forward to it. Maybe we'll get you back on uh, as we get closer to the Olympics and, and have a yarn and uh, get a bit more excited. <laughs> and prove me wrong, right? <laughs> <laughs> prove us all wrong. Guys, I'd love to join you again. Thanks for your time. We'll talk to you soon. Steph, Steph Brantz from the ABC and Foxtel the authority on the women's game in this country. All right, stick around. We're going to get back to the A-League after the break. We're going to preview both preliminary finals ahead of the grand final. Who is going to play in the big one? Well, it's uh, going to be found out this weekend. Next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? 
Per Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The kings of storage, moving and more. And this, yes, this is Box to Box. We are going to wrap up the hour with... Uh, a look at the two A-League grand final qualifiers. I know we talked to Tommy Orr earlier, but uh, this is the laser focus time. But before we do, we need to let you know that it is not too late. It's only midway through the month to get yourself into Storage King. Lots of us have needed declutter. Many of us are moving. Lots of people I know are renovating. And we all just need more space, don't we? So call Storage King now. They've got a crack team of storage professionals. I know at every single store there's someone that will be there to help you out. Uh, I've known these people at Storage King for 20 plus years and uh, they are just the best in the business. Move in though before June 30 and you will get this amazing deal. Receive $100 worth of boxes and packing materials free. That is right. Some conditions apply but if you move in before June 30 you'll get 100 bucks worth of boxes and packing materials. Go to storageking.com.au right now to find your nearest store and let Storage King Willem, the kings of storage moving and more will give you back some more space. They most certainly are. Rob, A-League semi-final weekend, plenty going on. We've got two huge matches and a couple of managerial changes as well. The first match will be on Saturday at Coggera. Uh, it will be between Sydney FC and Adelaide United. Adelaide, weren't they impressive in the first half last week, Michael? They set up that two-goal buffer against Brisbane Raw and then resisted a pretty decent late battering from uh, from Brisbane. They eventually prevailed 2-1. That was the first finals win away that they've ever had. Pretty proud club Adelaide the, uh, United. Box the box lucky charm as well. Carl Viet was on last Carl week. Carl absolutely. Yes. Yurich entered his goal drought with uh, two wonderful goals. He looked like Killian Mbappe up against uh, Mats Hummels. He made poor Tom Aldridge look pretty second rate, I think. (laughs) Yeah, Tommy Aldridge. We'll talk about that later on. Bad news for Adelaide, though, is that Craig Goodman, who missed that clash with an ankle injury, has been ruled out for the rest of the final series. So even if they make the granny, he'll miss with the dreaded syndesmosis Dino. Uh, Can they do it without him against Sydney, who are coming off a 14-day break uh, and have had just one loss in the last 13? Adelaide were very impressive. Um, Craig Goodwin will be a massive, for me, a real poor outcome really for them because he's been in such great form. And, and obviously, with uh, you know, from Adelaide's point of view, the Tommy Orich, unbelievable how uh, how much form he's been in, and uh, and, and what and what a and what a, a really. Uh, good performance that uh, he put in uh, over the weekend. Sydney over the past couple of seasons have been the dominant side picking up premiership plates last season and going second to Perth the year before that and Steve Corica as a result is being spoken about as a, a fantastic manager in the making. This season though they've been a little bit under the radar and as a result the uh, the achievement that's on offer for them here has gone uh, a little bit unspoken about but they could become the first side in A-League NSL history to win three consecutive championships. Yeah well look um, now that uh, the grand finals are in sight uh, we should be focusing on that uh, obviously Sydney FC and, and Melbourne City in particular are, are missing uh, some of these uh, Socceroos players so they, they do come back to the field a little bit and I think they give uh, Adelaide a real chance as do MacArthur have against uh, Melbourne City. One of the things I can't understand, I know I was uh, talking in the, at the opening of the show about uh, um, the uh, the disadvantage now that Melbourne City have by having had their home final taken away uh, from them and given to MacArthur but they've also got a day's less break as the Premier. I, I just can't quite fathom how all of this has worked out, especially given the uh, the knowledge that Melbourne's been in lockdown for the better part of three weeks. No, that's a fair point. I agree. Just before we move on to that match, we'll each uh, run around the table with a tip. I think Sydney will be too strong. Dean? As much as uh, Adelaide are going well, uh, I think Sydney FC with all that experience and uh, and I think they'd want to break the unprecedented three championships. So, yeah, I'm going for Sydney FC. And the winner will be Sydney. Everyone knows I love an underdog, and I'm convinced that because of the the amount of uh, starting players that are missing from both Sydney and, and Melbourne City, that one of them will not win. 
and I'm going to predict that it will be Adelaide will knock off Sydney in an upset. Okay, fair enough, Rob. Uh, going out on a limb there. The second match, which you did uh, preview or introduce briefly, will be Melbourne City against MacArthur Sunday, four o five in Leichhardt. We've had a bit of a, a joke around the fact that that is not a neutral venue at all, but it is a pretty serious uh, at Leichhardt. No, sorry, sorry. Oh, I, said I've been, I did say off air, Rob. I've been mixing those two up all season, and I've double checked them every time, and I've nearly got to the end of the season without a slip up, and there it is on record. Uh, City, they're not in the best form, Michael. They've uh, they haven't won in their past three. Uh, a couple of those you could maybe try a few different players because they had the plate all wrapped up. And the move to Sydney now does not help them. Uh, should reflect on MacArthur's performance as well. They dragged it out with 10 men to extra time. Uh, and then, as Tommy all mentioned, the, the young boys off the bench, Royce and Mombwa, uh, scored twice late. Which way is this one going to go? Well, this is the one that I think there could be an upset on the basis that uh, Rob's uh, theory, or lo- logic, I should say, with uh, team players missing. I think Melbourne City... Yeah, they're spluttering at the moment, aren't they? Uh, you probably should back them, but I just think the the move up to for this match up to Sydney is going to be probably the thing that gets MacArthur across the line, even though MacArthur's going to be without James Meredith. I think Melbourne City uh, will win this and get to host the grand final in uh, in Melbourne at Amy Park against Adelaide, and it'll be, uh, well, if not a full house, at least 50% there. Let's hope so. I'll be going for Melbourne City in this one. Dino, your quick thoughts? MacArthur's done really, really well. Uh, the James Meredith red card, I thought, was a bit dubious. There was a hand that pushed the ball in front of him, so he, he, he did like he was being turned. And but it was an advantage that put the ball forward. So I really just don't know what what the rules are with that. But with regards to Melbourne City, yeah, hard, hard with obviously losing all of the players. Uh, with international duty and the like. Uh, but I still think they've got enough in that squad to, to actually get through. And uh, I think it's going to be a Melbourne City-Sydney FC final. The bubble well and truly has burst at the Central Coast Mariners. They've been the story of the season. We've all been, well, not Michael, but the rest of us in the room have been hoping and praying that they could, uh, if not go all the way, but win a final. They lost that one to the uh, MacArthur Bulls. And just days later, Alan Stadjic, Rob, he's left. He said he wants a new... A new challenge, and it probably goes more to the state of the club rather than the state of him and the team in terms of the finances. There, we know Mike Charlesworth still has the club up for sale. Uh, they've lost, um, they've lost the boy Qual, who's going over to Stuttgart. They have signed Kai Rolls, but it looks like they might be losing Jack Clisby and Ruan Tongik as well. Is it all falling apart at the same time? Well, I'm going to defer to our good mate Ray Gat, who uh, has been uh, on this show so many times over the years. He uh, retired from the Australian a little while ago, but he writes just as much copy on Twitter, Twitter these days. No way in the world. So I'll just briefly read what Gaddy's posted. It's a sad day as the Central Coast Mariners confirmed that Alan Stadjic and Newell Arate have left the club. This could have and should have been avoided had the club owners shown them much more support. That Stadjic has been allowed to leave after the wonderful job he did this season is a disgrace. The owner apparently made no attempt to change his mind. Charlesworth needs to get out. He needs to sell the club ASAP to someone who is at least committed to the future of the Mariners. Typically Stadjic reacted not negatively but positively and graciously saying some very nice and lovely words in the press release. I wouldn't expect anything less from him. The good thing for him is that there will be no shortage of offers from other clubs, countries, and they'll appreciate him more than what the Mariners owner did, exclamation mark. That's Gaddy. So I think he represents the views of a lot of Mariners fans yeah. right now um, after, you know, four wooden spoons in five seasons um, yeah. uh, to, uh, to have to go out this way. Michael, one of my big hopes out of the new broadcast deal is that a club like Central Coast and Newcastle Jets, hopefully the league will grow to a point where they're sort of attractive entities for uh, for foreign or, or local investment. Fans of those clubs will be thinking the same thing. It's a bit uh, disappointing for Central Coast Mariners fans, and Gaddy's a good barometer of the feeling up there on the coast, and uh, and uh, that, that club is, uh, yeah, it's... Uh 
Not good, not good. Uh, having said that, Melbourne Victory have secured former PFA CEO and Melbourne City Director of Football to replace the outgoing General Manager of Football, Drew Sherman, and that's, of course, John Didelitzer. This is a serious appointment for Victory and ends what I think has been Drew Sherman's football manager computer game experiment at Melbourne <laughs> Victory, which was a complete disaster. And uh, and not only uh, does um, uh, John Didelitzer give uh, Melbourne Victory um, some incredible networks and experience to leverage from. Um, they've obviously got an experienced coach in Tony Popovich, and could they could those off field decisions be the a catalyst, uh, Willem, for turning that club around? Well, let's hope so. And I think um, ground you know day one for for John, whether that's his job or not, he's in a newly formed role. One of the big issues around Victory is that the fans and the punters don't know what these roles actually are. Uh, there's been so much consternation around people saying, "What does Drew Sherman actually do?" So hopefully, if John's going to come in and be the star of a new era, there can just be some public clarity about what these people will do so they can be held accountable and move forward from there. I think we might have John on the show within a couple of weeks, boys. New CEO, new coach, new football director, the club's had a clean out. We we, we said this that w- would happen on Box to Box uh, about uh, 12 weeks ago and it has happened. They can't get any worse, so um, hopefully the only way is up for the victory. We need the victory to be uh, at least competing and uh, not to... Be uh, um, uh, considered, you know, a sort of an afterthought or a joke. Ed, you got very briefly something. Well, I just want to uh, uh, Melbourne City. We should have mentioned this when mm. we were talking about Melbourne City. But Matt Lecky mm. has signed for three years with mm. Melbourne City, and Andrew mm. Naboot has re-signed for another three years. So that's a fair uh, striking uh, force they're going to have going forward. Sure, will be. All right, we're going to wrap Along up with this Jamie. hour. Thank Clarence. you, Michael. Thank Enough. you. That's it. Wrap. See ya. Bye, Willem. Thank you. We stick around next hour. You're going to be talking after the break. You'll more news, Dino. Just take a little bench, and we'll uh, we'll have you back in uh, in time to talk lots of Euros action, mate. Yep, sounds good. Well done. All right, stick around. That's all coming up after the news on Box to Box. Now this is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgeley. Oh, what a goal for, for Chemist Warehouse, home of real brands and real savings, and Storage King, the kings of storage, moving and absolutely fantastic. Welcome back to Box to Box, second edition news with Willem Shortly talking all things soccer, Riz Matildas. We're going to talk to Rob Tanner about the Athletic England versus Scotland this Saturday morning. We'll talk about that and plenty more. We'll talk more Euros with Dino and Dell, and uh, we'll have a special little wrap of stoppage time, Willem versus Lati. It's the Dutch versus the might of North Macedonia, 17 to 1 for next week's match. Will they still be alive? We don't know. We've got to watch some matches in the next 24 hours. But, uh, well, then you've got a bunch more news. I do, Rob. Socceroos and Matildas central for the Green and Gold Army to start, as always. We've had such a brilliant reminder over the past week of just how good major tournaments are. And if you want to get there and watch the Aussies when our time comes, you need to join the Green and Gold Army. To do so, sign up to the mailing list, which can be done at where, Michael? ggatravel.com.au. Get your vaccination and then sign up for the mailing list and... Uh, and get on the plane as soon as we can. Sounds good to me. Some special congratulations need to be dished out this week. Firstly, to Emily Van Egmont, who won a 100th cap for Australia against Denmark, just the eighth Matilda to do so, and a, an overrepresentation from the from the Hunter Novocastrian region. She's the third from Newcastle to do so in that eight, along with Cheryl Salisbury and Joey Peters, two friends of Box to Box from across the journey. Also, congratulations to Hayley Rasso and Trent Sainsbury, who have reached 50 caps this week. And Trent was a bit emotional on full-time. Michael reflecting on just what it means to play for Australia and the injury that almost derailed him from winning even one cap back in 2014. I think it was the 2014 World Cup. Busted. <coughs> Busted my knee open. I broke my kneecap. And I uh, you know, thought my career was finished. To get to 50, you know, it means a lot. Like I said, just grateful to be amongst it with the boys. 
They win from me. Can't think of anything better. To the Oli Roos, two goals from Daniel Arzani weren't enough to help them to a win against Mexico in their final friendly in Marbella. The final score was 3-2. They weren't the best goals from Arzani. There was one from the spot and another long-range shot that was fumbled by the keeper, but hopefully we'll take a bit of that heading into Tokyo. And onto the Ange Postacoglu front, his first assignment as Celtic boss will be against Michelin in a two-legged tie to decide their place in the Champions League. The first leg will be at home for Celtic on either the 21st or 22nd of July with the next fixture the next week. Michelin is, of course, the club of Alma Bill, although he's recently said he is looking to leave. To the league, Celtic's first clash of the season will be away to Hearts on August the 1st with the all-important first meeting against Rangers three weeks later on match day four. Plenty to get through here. I want to break it down into three parts. Firstly, we've got the AFC qualifiers, then onto the Copper America, and finally, uh, we'll whip around the headlines uh, in Europe before our chat to Rob Tanner. So firstly, to the AFC qualifiers, Vietnam will feature in the final round uh, for the first time, with the groups to be drawn on July the 1st. They are known, Michael, as the Chin Bao San Vang, which is the Golden Star Warrior. So congratulations to everyone at Vietnam. Absolutely. And uh, they're going to be in pot six alongside Rob's team, Lebanon, um, who've been able to get through as well. So that's fantastic. Go the Cedars. So now I'm just going to play a little game with Rob. Uh, we'll give you a break for a moment, Willem. Um, mm-hmm. just, uh, this is the phase of AFC qualifying. So I'm going to give you the two teams and you tell me which one you want Australia to play. Because obviously we're going to be uh, in a group of six. There's going to be mm-hmm. two groups of six. So um, basically this teams have been seeded into pots. Pot one is Japan and Iran. Who do you want to oh, Australia to play? God. That's impossible. You know what? I'd like to see us play Iran to erase the ghosts of 1997. That's pretty good. Obviously, we are in the pot with South Korea, so we can't play South Korea. Uh, pot three, Willem, Saudi, Saudi Arabia or Iraq? Who would you rather? I would like to play Iraq out of that one. Uh, Rob, pot four, United Arab Emirates or China? Geez, China's a rising star, but the UAE, again, another one of those Middle Eastern um, countries that want to play in their home World Cup. So I think I go with China um, with uh, slightly less to play for in this instance. Maybe in years to come, no, but China this time. And uh, pot five, Willem, Syria or Oman? like to go with Oman. Syria were the group winners in their group and did so pretty comfortably. They had that wrapped up with quite a few games to spare. So I think they're pretty good at the moment. And go uh, with Iran. And obviously pot, pot six, Rob, of Vietnam or Lebanon? Lebanon. Lebanon. I, I hope we play yeah. Lebanon and I hope they play in Melbourne. And um, I, I just have my uh, uh, my half Socceroos, half uh, Cedars uh, shirt on and um, enjoy the result no matter so what. So obviously politics uh, is uh, never far away from sports. So could you imagine if Australia draw, draws Iran... Iraq, uh, China, Syria and Lebanon. I'll tell you what, wouldn't that be fantastic because uh, they all hate us, Rob. They Lebanese all hate us with hate a us. passion. Lebanon loves us, mate. Actually, yeah. Lebanon, they probably do love us. But um, in terms of uh, destinations to go to, I'd love Japan, um, I'd love Iraq, I'd love uh, China, uh, Oman and Vietnam. You might have to go to the live watch along at the uh, Cedar Meats Factory up in Brooklyn, Rob, when uh, Australia play <laughs> yeah, Lebanon. Get on, you will. <laughs> Onto the Copper America, the first round of matches have been completed. Just the four so far, so we'll go through each of them. Brazil accounted for Venezuela 3-0. Goals to Marquinhos, Neymar and Gabriel. While also in the north zone, Paraguay came from a goal down to defeat Bolivia 3-1. In the south, Colombia scraped past Ecuador 1-0. And in the heavyweight clash, Chile equalised to finish one all with Argentina, who had gone ahead via a predictable source. So Messi to take over the wall, and it's in! Argentina lead 1-0! 
brilliant from Lionel Messi. That's what you expect of him. The other statistic we should mention is that uh, last Monday, Brazil's health ministry, Willem, said that 41 cases of COVID-19, including what they're now calling the Venezuela 13, have been detected in the testing regime. The poor Venezuelans had to uh, have half their team turn up on the match day. There's just something a little bit hollow about the Copa America, isn't there, Rob? It's been just magnificent to see the crowds back in numbers uh, at the Euros and the Copa just uh, feels a little bit hollow. It's, it's Look, it's sad from that point of view, the fact that there's no crowds in the stands, but, uh, you know, I still maintain that despite the devastation that it's wrought across the world uh, that... Um, that the, the people, the working class people in particular, need um, some distraction and some entertainment. So I'm glad at least that it's still on. And uh, Diego Armando Maradona had a, what a beautiful, tribute beautiful tribute too. It was mm. fantastic, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, check it out on Twitter. Over to Europe, France's medical team have been criticised after Benjamin Pavard remained on the pitch against Germany following his collision with Robin Gosens. Pavard told B in Sports he'd taken a hell of a shock and was knocked out for 10 to 15 seconds before playing out the final 35 minutes. Just last week, all 24 nations signed up to a new head injury protocol with Fifth Pro now asking UEFA why it was ignored. And a little bit of heat as well, Rob, for the ref, Carlos Del Cedro Grande from Spain, who was seen to be hurrying along the uh, the medical procedure as Pavar was attended to. Part of that uh, protocol that they've all signed up to is that video tech can be used to ascertain whether there was a head injury, a concussion. And if that was the case, there'd be definite removal from the pitch. So I think we're at a point where everyone accepts that it's a serious issue. The systems are in place, but at the moment, in the heat of battle, those systems are flopping and falling down. Yeah, well, I guess it does all depend on the, the man in the middle with the whistle. He's the guy that's supposed to be the one that controls the whole situation and uh, and keeps the, the players as best they can um, in uh, in order. So uh, that's uh, that's one talking to that needs to be had. I'll tell you, there was one moment um, involving another part of the head. Ah, um, uh, uh-huh, yes. Yes, uh, you know what I'm talking about. So, so Luis Suarez uh, uh, revisited with... Uh, when, um, when Rudiger looked like he was having a little nibble at uh, Paul Pogba's back, I reckon he got away with that one. Uh, uh, with um, He did have a chomp, definitely. Yeah, he did. And, and everybody sort of just let that one slide. I mean, poor Luis Suarez. They, they fed him, had him down as a cannibal after what he did, and uh, he, he missed the rest of the tournament. Cristiano Ronaldo's disdain towards two bottles of Coca-Cola has seen the company's share price drop 1.6%. That's the equivalent of 5.2 billion Australian. Ronaldo removed the drinks from my shot during his pre-match presser before picking up a bottle of water and declaring agua to the room. Coke are an official sponsor of the Euros and followed up by saying everyone is entitled to their drink preferences with different tastes and I'd needs. I'd love to have been in the boardroom when they said what they really wanted to say. I think sometimes you just, just ask Rob Tanner about that later on and get a bit of a feeling of that one from the ground. Hours later, Ronaldo went out there. His brace against Hungary broke the tie with Michel Platini for goals at the Euros. He now has 11 clear of Platini on nine. Uh, not Euros related because he got omitted from the squad, but Sergio Ramos's 16-year career at Real Madrid has come to an end. The club are going to hold a press conference as an institutional act of tribute and farewell. He joined Real from Sevilla as a 19-year-old in 2005 and has won five La Liga titles and four Champions Leagues, 671 matches and 101 goals all up. It's believed, though, that the bad man of global football, Rob, Florentino Mm. Perez, is more than happy to see him depart just as he was Ronaldo a few years ago. I heard he's going to Rob's uh, team, Central Coast Mariners, as a a marquee player. (laughs) Oh, we won't have him there. No, we only take good... Danny uh, wouldn't have him. He's been the most divisive man for a few years in world football, certainly around this table, but I don't think anyone could argue that he has been real over this golden uh, period. He's first pick in my team, I'll tell you what. Yeah, well, you've said that, and uh, and look, anyone who's this no shows needs. my view of his uh, uh, the way that he goes about things, but, uh, but yeah, you've got to give credit you've, where it's due. You famously called him a grub. I'm going to remind him... I called him, him a group one grub, that's what I called yeah, him. Yeah, and I'm going to remind him of that when he turns up at Central Coast. Well, see, well, we're trying to line him up as a special guest on the show to talk about his career, so when we do, you can remind him. And a final one, back to the Euros. Marco Arnautovic will miss Austria's upcoming match against Holland. 
Poland, having been deemed guilty of insulting behaviour. Arnautovic is of Serbian descent. He was accused of a nationalist outburst towards North Macedonia's Exxon Boataluhi. I'm going to do that again. Exxon Betalui and Exxon Alioski, who have Albanian heritage. He was restrained by David Alaba following his goal. It was a pretty ugly incident, I thought. And while he has apologised, he's adamant he is not racist. So we can think about that while he sits in the stands, Rob. Yeah, well, he got away with that one because the uh, the um, expectation was that he could have got as many as 10 weeks. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think he can count himself lucky that... Um, the he, Balkans he, politics, Rob, they never, <laughs> they never, they're never far from uh, never controversy. No, no, I think we'll leave that one alone when we talk to Slady a little bit later. We will leave that one alone, okay. well, <laughs> oh, okay. All right, Willem, well done. Um, Rob Tanner, he's just been so good to us over the years on this podcast and we know that everyone who listens to the show loves it when Rob comes on. We're going to talk about uh, the England-Scotland match and a bunch of other Euro action next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The kings of storage, moving and more. And this could be the Yes, this is Box to Box on 9 Radio NTS News Talks Board after... A long, long time waiting, an extra 12 months this time around Euro 2020 is underway in 2021. It's been an amazing first week from the uh, the drama around Christian Eriksen that we talked to in the first hour, but uh, some amazing games and our good friend from The Athletic, Rob Tanner, is on the line to talk to us about it. How are you, Rob? I'm good, thank you guys. I hope you're enjoying the football. Oh, we're just loving it, mate. Um, I know we talked to you a bit about it off air or about how we have to sort of manage our sleep patterns to, to get it uh, all uh, in, but we are thoroughly enjoying it. But I'll tell you, there's one match that we're all really looking forward to is uh, the 115th uh, staging of the oldest football rivalry. Uh, it goes back so many years, but you know the most uh, memorable one of the past several decades is obviously the 1996 Euros match, the football's coming home one. But uh, it's all on again and uh, it's going to be uh, uh, all to play for for, for Scotland on, on uh, Saturday morning, isn't it? In more ways than one, um, because after the result against the Czech Republic, you know, they need a result. Uh, I mean, the, the motivation's already there for them, isn't it? They've got to beat the, uh, England. They love to challenge England at anything. Uh, tiddlywinks and they desperately want to <laughs> you know, win that and uh, this will be no different to come down to Wembley famously in 1977 they came down one and, and took the goalpost zone with them so <laughs> I don't think they'll get the chance to do that this time but um, you know, that Scotland would desperately be up for it I mean this is their first major tournament they've qualified for since 1998 so um, they've been waiting a long time Tell us about that performance, Rob, uh, against Croatia. England had had a lot of stick for being flat-track bullies, but ultimately they got the job done against Croatia. Do you you think we should be giving credit to England for that performance or is this a faded Croatia team? I think you've just got to be measured in your response to that one. I thought it was a professional performance. I thought they looked quite solid. Um, I'm I'm in Croatia, an ageing side now, and I didn't see much in them. I was disappointed in them. I thought they were going to offer more of a, a threats. I mean, Southgate was being um, scrutinised for his decision to uh, play Kieran Trippier at left back, a right back when he's got Ben Chilwell who's just won the Champions League with Chelsea and uh, uh, Luke Shaw at his disposal, natural left-footed players, but he went for the more defensive solidity of uh, Trippier and um, yeah, it, it worked. It worked well. They were solid. Kane was in and out of the game. Sterling got his goal on his home ground, basically, because he's from that area of London. Um yeah, it was a good start, but it's just the start. Because we've got to remember as well, put it in context, England have never won an opening game in a European Championships final. So even in 96, they got a draw. So um, 
you know, it's a good start. It's a good start. And now if they can build on that against uh, uh, Scotland, ease through to the next round, then it will get start getting tougher. Let's think about the Scotland game for a sec, Rob. It was, wasn't what the Tartan Army wanted despite a glorious build-up to the game. I think they came into this tournament thinking that they had a chance. They've got a very talented squad of of young players, uh, particularly. Do you, do you think Steve Clark's got to change personnel and change tactics against England? And where is the threat going to come from? I'm not sure about whether he needs to change it. Because I didn't actually think they played badly against the Czech Republic. Uh, they've created a number of chances. They just didn't have that clinical edge in front of goal that the, the Czechs obviously had. Well, I say in front of goal, I mean, Schick's second goal from just inside, just inside the half mm-hmm. was incredible. Um, and those moments just went against them uh, on the day. It, they would have erased that from their memory now. The, the, the secret for Scotland against England is just their pure energy and will to win. Sometimes we overanalyse tactics and stuff like that, but it's just the ability to go out there and give everything you've got. And I think that's what their strength will be. It'll be their team spirit and their togetherness. And uh, we know about John McGee. We know about the uh, the, the Tierneys and, and, and the other lads, Robertson, that, that play in the Premier League. We know what threat they carry. So they're the players that... I think um, England will be keeping an eye on, but I think England themselves will just be focused on their own game, carrying out their game plan and uh, trying to put in a a solid performance again, like they did against Croatia. If they do that, they've got too much quality for Scotland. And uh, I think they'll, they'll, they'll edge it, but it won't be an easy game for them by any stretch of the imagination. This is going to be a tough one for them. This is box to box. We're talking to Rob Tanner from the athletic about the Euros. What a wonderful tournament. What a wonderful time of year it is. Uh, one of our own playing for Scotland, Lyndon Dykes, uh, Rob. Um, you think if you're peroxide blonde, dye your hair, you've got to take your chances, don't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, because you're going to stand out. I mean, Phil Foden's done the same thing. I think they're trying to embrace the essence of Gaza from 96, but uh, uh, perhaps he's trying to turn it into a Scottish slant. But um, no, they've got it. You've, at this level, it's so important that you take your opportunities when they come along. I mean, look at Spain. Uh, against Sweden. Uh, I mean, it was one of those where they struggled to break the, the Swedes down. They get that one chance they've been waiting for, a huge chance for Morata, and he screws it wide, nil-nil. Those are the opportunities you have to take at the top, top level. Uh, Rob, um, obviously uh, these tournaments uh, give us a few off-field highlights as well. And Cristiano Ronaldo, not only is he the, the first player ever to play in five European championships, just think about that. It's not 20 years, it's 21 years because of the, the context of the extra year on uh, on this uh, delayed championships. But he's also the first player to be the catalyst for an epic Five billion US dollar plunge in the share price of Coca Cola. That was some moment when he just shifted the Coca Cola bottles to a disorder and then gave them a spray at a press conference. I mean, uh, it just proves uh, how some massive some of these uh, players are, doesn't it? I think there were other factors in the uh, the, the the share price falling with Coca Cola. <laughs> I don't think it was all just down to Ronaldo, but you're right, he is a global brand in himself and he's uh, had an association with uh, you know other brands as well that have uh, have done very well out of him strangely he's taken that that sort of stance against the uh, sugary drinks so uh, i'm sure he's been in a pepsi ad or something somebody surely would i'm sure he's been that, in a pepsi yeah. i think he absolutely has been uh, but i really Personally, I just I had a, a great time watching the the match between Russia and Finland. Even though it was only one nil, it was just a 
it was just the way that Russia was playing. It was a very entertaining game. What, uh, outside of the home nations, uh, what other games have grabbed your attention? Have there been something obscure that you've just really enjoyed watching, Rob? I enjoyed the, the Dutch against the Ukraine, 3-2 Holland. That was that was, was really on a, a on a knife edge for a lot of the game. There was some good finishing, there was some woeful defending. That always makes for entertainment. Um, that was a, a, a really good game. But m- the quality of the football so far has been excellent. Um, really, I, w- I watched the France-Germany game, and I know it was only 1-0 to France, but everybody was writing off um, Germany, saying that the way they've faltered in recent years. But I still wouldn't write off the Germans. I'd never write off the Germans in a, in a major tournament. I, I, I mean, France have got an abundance of talent. I mean, they've got the, the best squad, I think, with Portugal, the best squad in the tournament. Um and I love to watch Mbappe play, and it was a shame that goal was disallowed uh, offside. But it's it was goal, offside. It? Yeah, just the, the 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 balance, the way he quit inside, bent it into the bottom corner. He's, he is such a talented player. Uh, but then you know you're talking about a young player that's going to be a star of the future. He's a star now, but he's going to be a star for a very long time. And then Ronaldo pops up at his age and gets two goals for Portugal in a game that they really looked like they were struggling in. Um, Hungary were. I mean, I don't think they've got a massive amount of quality, but they, they in front of a, a big crowd, a partisan crowd, and my word, have we missed that. Um, they did well. They showed a lot of spirit, and they had a goal chalked off themselves, VAR. But uh, but then the quality of Ronaldo showed for, for Portugal. He had a, such a quiet game, and he popped up. And that's that's why you watch major tournaments, to see the big stars performing. Yeah, the other home nation, Rob, is Wales, of course, and they're actually going about their business while a lot of talk has been about England, Scotland. They're there without their manager for for reasons we probably can't discuss in detail on the radio. But Page has masterminded a tremendous result last night and they seem to have recaptured that spirit from their last major run in the tournament. And it was great to see Aaron Ramsey and it was pure class from Ramsey get ghosting through there like his kind of pomp, really. Um, how how do you think, how do you rate their chances now? It looks like they'll go through. Uh, absolutely. They've they've got that essence again of uh, of five years ago, um, that team spirit that I mentioned about Scotland having to harness. Uh, Wales have got that. And, and they've also got a few superstars as well. Gareth Bale. I mean, he was outstanding against Turkey. I mean, Turkey are a strange one because they came into the competition with the best qualifying record defensively they only considered three goals in their qualifying group in 10 games and they've looked all over the place I mean Wales could have won four or five and there wouldn't have been any complaints uh, yesterday I mean Ramsey great finish ultimately but he had some great chances before then that he squandered um, but Wales yeah I think they'll cause a few t- I think they'll easily get through this group now I know they've got Italy next who have really impressed me um, as a in terms of a side that weren't probably amongst the favourites beforehand, but the way they've performed and the way Mancini set them up, I mean, they're very un-Italian in many ways, the way they play. So that would be an interesting game, another challenge for Wales. But I think when they get through to the knockout stages, um, they will give anybody a game um, that, that that comes up against them. It'll be uh, it'll be tough just because of that 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 star quality of Bale and Ramsey coupled with their their team ethic. We'll just leave the Euros just for a second, Rob. I'd be interested to know your thoughts on Rafael Benitez primed to become the Everton manager. He still lives on the Wirral, of course, and made no secret that he'd love to return to management in that part of the world. What are you hearing? Is that something that's seriously being considered? And if it, if it does actually go through, is, is this a good good move for Everton? Well, it's some, something that's very strongly speculated. Uh, I mean, Rafa does actually write for the Athletic as well. Um, it's it's something that uh, is a very interesting little plot twist when you think where Everton have been looking 
in terms of their management managerial appointment they've uh, they were looking at uh, Nuno who's left Wolves um that didn't work out so it'd be a great move for them I think he's a top top manager uh there will be a little bit of added pressure for him going in with his association with Liverpool um but yeah he's a wonderful manager Newcastle fans love him absolutely love him in stark contrast to Steve Bruce unfortunately who's a lovely bloke. But um, yeah, it'll be an interesting move. It'll raise... I mean, Everton have been spending a lot of money over the, the years and they've made a lot of high-profile appointments. Ancelotti being the, you know, the one uh, most recently. So this this is not out of character for them in terms of their ambition. It's just whether it'll he's the right man for them. Um, if you think they've been probably most successful with somebody like David Moyes, but um, they're going for a big-name manager again. And um, yeah, it'd be interesting. It'd be nice to have Rafa back in the Premier League. It'd be nice if he signed a contract that he actually uh, sticks to after uh, <laughs> the uh, most recent effort that they had. They, um, you know, they had so many hopes, especially with the new stadium um, coming uh, online in uh, the next few years. So, uh, yeah, Everton fans all over the world will be hoping that this uh, comes true and uh, and they can sign the big man. Well, hey, Rob, um, thanks again, mate. Uh, we'll keep enjoying this tournament, and uh, we'll we'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks' time um, as we uh, get stuck into the middle of the knockout stages and in uh, England are. Uh, singing football's coming home yet again. <laughs> Let's hope so. Let's hope it's coming home. Good on you, mate. Rob Danner from The Athletic joins us. As always, uh, we uh, we love talking to him. We're going to talk more Euros after the break. Stick around. That's next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? For a chemist warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The kings of storage, moving and more. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box on Nine Radio NTS News Talk Sport. Had a lot of fun in the show so far, but it's going to get even more fun because we're going to talk more Euros with the boys soon. Dino and Della on the bench. We've all got a group. My mum said just got his uh, notes prepared. But before we do, I want to talk to you in Men's Health Week, as it is this week, about Chemist Warehouse and Gotcha for Life. It's a non-profit foundation aimed at supporting men's mental health. They believe in starting meaningful conversations by developing strong social and emotional connections. We do have those uh, on this show. Very strong emotional connections. Sometimes we get a little bit too energetic, but they're fun. Chemist Warehouse is getting right behind this charity by donating 5% on selected products sold this month. That's 5% on all OptiMan shake sales. 5% on Lynx sales. Lynx, Northern Macedonia. They're the Lynxes. 5% 5% on L'Oreal Men Experts sales, all donated to Gotcha for Life, as well as a dollar from every Nicorette pat purchase made at Chemist Warehouse. There are many more products helping fund the charity, so get out to Chemist Warehouse, get the catalogue for details, find out more, or jump online. Chemist Warehouse, they are great supporters of so many different causes. Gotcha for Life, men's mental health. Take it seriously. Have a conversation with your mates. Great savings every day. I've been at Chemist Warehouse this week, Robin, I've grabbed some eye drops, drops, just some sort of soothing eye action because mm. I've got something growing out of the top of my eye from watching the Euros. <laughs> just too much TV, not enough sleep. So Chemist Warehouse to the rescue once again. Well done, Willem. All right. Derek, you've been not getting much sleep. Dino's on the line as well. Dino, we're going to go around some of the, the groups. We've all been loving uh, the daily instalments of this Euro 2020 and it's coming along, it's boiling along to a nice little simmer at the moment. The only place that I think we need to start is Group 
um, B. Um, it seems like a, a years ago now with Ericsson collapsing to the pitch, and fin- yeah. Finland will acknowledge that in their next. Uh, uh, sorry, uh, uh, Belgium will acknowledge that, acknowledge that in the next game by stopping the game for for ten minutes. But what were your thoughts when you saw uh, Ericsson and heard, heard the news? No, oh, I, I really struggled with with it, you know, because obviously it's, it's an incident that you know has happened before, uh, you know, and in many sports, but uh, to see it especially live it was it was it was harrowing to be honest and uh, you just got to really you know reach out for all the Denmark team uh with their te- obviously with their teammate and and obviously there's a lot of people and a lot of love around for uh, Christian Eriksen so glad that he seems to have uh, obviously survived it which was fabulous and hopefully um um I've, I've just heard I think on the news now that he's I mean something like a defibrillator about built into his body or something. I don't know if that's right, but that's mm, what that's I... True. People who had severe cardiac arrest can, uh, can have a device installed in their heart. So yeah. uh, if, you, so, if you get away so with I it, you're lucky had... for the rest of your life. Yeah, cool. But I don't think he'd be playing again, will he? Oh, look, uh, yeah, it's hard. You saw what happened to Fabrice Moamba, you know, albeit he was, you know, clinically dead for 45 minutes. But, yeah, hard to see. Uh, Edge, this group is now wide open. Uh, Russia beating Finland overnight in St. Petersburg. And you were in, impressed with this with this match. It was just an entertaining game. Uh, Russia play this uh, cavalier sort of, um, you know, charge of the light brigade sort of um Game and they've got the big striker Duje up front, who is a big presence. He knocks people over, and um, but it was a goal of incredible finesse uh, in that game that uh, caught my attention. It was just an entertaining product. It wasn't the best football, but it was very entertaining. And Russia's dialed themselves back into this uh, in in this uh, group well and truly with that win. They certainly have, and in those final group, those final games, it will be. Uh Finland will take on Belgium and, and Russia will take on Denmark. You'd probably think Denmark will struggle to, to do anything. It will depend on their result coming up against Belgium. That that seems like a tall order given what they've gone through. Group A, Dean, you know, this is the this is the the Italy group and of course your Wales group. And we'll go into Italy in a second, but come on, Wales, four points. So apparently they've got a ninety-eight percent chance of qualifying now. Fabulous performances in uh, in obviously both games, to be fair. Um, I mean I I think they were a little bit second best against Switzerland for good parts of it, but a fabulous goal from Kiefer Moore. Uh, obviously got the uh, the the goal that we needed to at least get a point out of it, and then to turn it around again uh, against Turkey. Um, I thought Ramsey and Bale were outstanding. Uh, I thought they they looked like they'd turned the clock back, and uh, and and I look at overall. I think we deserve to win the game and and put them in a really good position. You know, four points. And now it's really a little bit of what happens next when we play Italy. How do we go about it? And obviously, the goal difference between Switzerland and Turkey is minus three and minus five, where Wales is two. But if, let's say, Italy beat them 3-0, all of a sudden it could be minus one and things can change. Italy will play Wales in in that final game and, and Wales potentially need nothing. Switzerland, on the other hand, will need to beat Turkey and potentially beat them quite well. Dean, we'll go back to another one of your groups. Uh, this is the England group. And of course, we spoke yep. to Rob Tanner a little earlier about the, the Scotland game. Maybe just give our, our, our listeners just a bit of a sense as an Englishman, just how big this game is for the home nations. I was at the England-Scotland game back in uh, 
96 so um i know exactly what it felt like and uh, and and it's it's an unbelievable atmosphere um i hope i don't know what the crowd or what they're going to allow in but um obviously england's got the the three points with sterling goal um and to be fair most probably just edged it but i wasn't overly convinced and then against scotland the scotland check game could not believe two goals scored by the boy Schick on the 42nd minute. He was minute sharp, wasn't he, Dino? Ah, unbelievable. So, like, <laughs> razor so sharp, yes. Yeah, and I like that. But look, there's this, this, a lot to play out. And But the England-Scotland game is going to be massive because it's not just uh, a game of football, it's the bragging rights. And uh, and I'm sure the Scots will be bringing quite a contingent down to, like they normally do. That Czech Republic-Croatia game looks a bit innocuous, but Croatia have got to win that, really, to have any chance of getting through here. And the Czechs, we didn't talk about them at all last week. We mentioned Schick before, but they look like a tiny uh, in a tidy outfit, and, and this group is open as well. Well, one of the themes of this entire tournament has been Europe. Uh, football's coming home, but uh, we remember who uh, did so well back in 1996. It was the Czech- Czechoslovakia back at the time. But So it shouldn't be a surprise to any of us that the Czech, Czech Republic... Uh, are doing as well as they are. You you, uh, um, you underrate these uh, these teams at your own peril. Another team, uh, Rob, that people underrated, I think, was Slovakia in Group oh, yeah. E. Uh, probably the biggest shock so far in the tournament, you'd argue. Uh, mm. Talk us through Group E and, and what we've seen there and, and, and what's to come in the next week or so. Yeah, well, look, I, I did give them a bit of a chance, um, you know, after they, they got through the group in um, in the last uh, uh, Euros and uh, and they look that they had the luck go their way. They managed to, to shut down Poland in the first half. Uh, they, Poland <laughs> featuring, you know, Le- Robert Lewandowski, as we all know, didn't manage to get a short scoring shot on target in the opening 45 minutes. So then there was the the send off in the, the 62nd minute, and the, the pendulum swung. So Slovakia are sitting on top of that group, and uh, and they uh, they've, they've got it uh, all in their own hands because obviously in the other group Sweden managed to uh, to get that nil all draw against Spain, which uh, you know is really uh, putting Spain uh, in in the spotlight for all the wrong reasons. I mean, Luis Enrique uh, he didn't pick Sergio Ramos. They've had uh, uh, COVID withdrawals uh, of Sergio Busquets and Diego Lorente. Um, so there's a lot of pressure on uh, Spain right now to, to, to get back together. Uh, Gerard Moreno, I was surprised that he came on so late, uh, 75th minute, uh, had a shot uh, to win the game. But, you know, there's an amazing image um, that I think you sent around, Derek, of, of the Swedish uh, defensive setup uh, uh, that they had no intention of making any effort to, uh, to take any risks. So, uh, yeah, that group is, is really in play and, uh, and I think we're going to see a real surprise. It was reminiscent of that Maradona photo. Yes. Uh, with all the players lined up. You last again, uh, Edge, with Group F. We've talked a bit about it on the show already, but Cristiano Ronaldo, I know he gets a bad rap and undeservedly so at times, but, you know, he is now the record scorer in these championships. Um, How do you rate him and Portugal? Well, he's... um Played in five championships over 21 years, as Rob gives me the wind-up. That's, that's a bit harsh, Rob. <laughs> uh, but, um, look, Hungary tried hard, didn't they? And uh, they had an early goal that was disallowed for offside. But Portugal, uh, they've got the class and they clearly outmatched them as the, went, as the game went on and ended up with three goals. Um, a fascinating group, this, isn't it? Um, whether Portugal can get into second spot. I think France is clearly um, the tournament favourites alongside Italy. Germany couldn't get any rhythm in their match against France, could they? They were also pretty lucky, as I thought, to Antonio Rudiger. He appeared to bite Paul We Popper. did talk about that before, a little nibble. That's right, a little nibble. And there were also... Um, 
Um, Mbappe and Benzema both had goals Mbappe. to start. They, they look incredibly dangerous. You to pronounce his name right at one stage. Mbappe. Mbappe. Uh, Mbappe. Uh, France, along with Italy, uh, the, that would be a very welcome final and our friend Damien Tadio would be pretty damn excited about that. Yeah, look, uh, Germany, um, I'm just curious. They've stuck with um, Jürgen Löw for, for such a long time, over a decade. He's one of the longest-serving um, uh, man- you know, managers in international football. But the shine has gone off him for a long time. And for a, for a, um, a country that produces so many fine uh, football managers, it, for me, it is still surprising that you know, he is still there. The only thing you can really explain it is that, you know, as a football manager, you're probably more likely to want to represent or manage a top European club as opposed to um, Germany. I think it's maybe just an indicative of where international football is uh, at the moment. So, yeah, Germany will play Portugal. Hungary will play uh, Mbappe and uh, and France. And then those final games, um, Germany versus Hungary and Portugal, France. So, look... Uh, Everything to play for, gents. Only Italy have qualified so far. No, Damien, I'm sure you're um, saluting with your Chiante there. Um, but, Robert, it, it is truly, tr- truly, truly exciting. And I noticed during the week the only other thing that really came out was the Premier League fixtures, uh, Spurs and City and a, and a mouth-watering opening tie. Um, and, and, of course, Arsenal, as Rob was pointing out, have got the banana skin of going to Brentford <laughs> on the first one. game. They'll be full. The background will be rocking. Yes. Can Arsenal just put all that aside and get three points? Why oh. couldn't we get why, <laughs> why couldn't we get Newcastle at home? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's why Willem and I just cannot wait uh, to, to watch that match because we both know that you're going to lose. Anyway, look, let's, uh, well, we'll wrap it up for the moment and then we'll wrap up Group C um, after the break with Willem and then we'll get... Uh, the uh, the daggers drawn between the Dutchman Willem van Denderen and Zlady Angelovsky off the bench for the mighty North Macedonia. Are they still a chance? I think they are. Stick around, we'll find out. They are no chance. Next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The kings of storage, moving and more. And this could be the most crucial This is Box to Box. What a great show it's been this week. Absolutely jam-packed. We haven't finished yet. We're about to complete our uh, look at the the Euro groups with Group C in a moment. Uh, We also have on standby my very good friend, Zlady Angelovsky, who is a very, very proud Northern Macedonian and still counts them as uh, a real roughies chance to go all the way. Uh, we'll talk to Zlatan in a moment. But Terek, uh, Group C, we, um, we've got to uh, wrap that one up. Yes, the sharp observers will notice that we haven't covered this group yet. And when we allocated these at the start, Rob, I've given this one to Willem. We know he's got that uh, Dutch Eindhoven blood f- flowing through his veins. And Willem, it seems like a long time ago, doesn't it now, the Netherlands in an entertaining win 3-2 over Ukraine. Yeah, it does feel like it was a while ago, Derek. I think having watched both of the group, uh, both of the matches in the group, the Dutch are probably the favourites at this stage. With Austria slightly maybe ahead of Ukraine as uh, as the favourites to finish second, with North Macedonia at bottom of the pile. Although I look forward to Zlady disputing that uh, in a second. In terms of the Holland Ukraine match, I thought the Dutch were the better side for probably 85 minutes. It only took a couple of minutes of inspiration for Ukraine to to level it up at two all. And Yarmolenko, the man with one of the best, sweetest left boots uh, in the world, only needed one chance to uh, have a look at it and bang uh, in it went. But well done to, to Frank de Boer. He played the, uh, well, it's a bit of a notorious back five, isn't it, in Holland? We know they uh, they flew the banner ahead of the opening game telling him to go to the 4-3-3, but he stuck to his guns and, and they got the result. In terms of Austria, North Macedonia, uh, 
magnificent, wasn't it, Rob, to see the uh, the Macedonian Messi, Goran Pandev, 37 mm. years old, emblematic of the uh, the country and their football as a whole, have his moment and level it up at, at 1-1. But other than that, I thought David Alaba and Austria controlled the match uh, pretty comfortably and uh, 3-1 they ended up winning, Derek. Tell us a little bit about Denzel Dumfries. He's probably got the best name in the whole competition and along with Raheem Sterling, one of two players named after famous Scottish towns. Yeah, he was excellent, wasn't he, Derek? A little bit of... uh a conjecture as to whether he's uh, in the best 11 heading into this one, but no doubt about it uh, off the back of that. He, he spurned a chance early and um, didn't let it get to him, though. He uh, he, he butted up and he, he scored the winner in the end and, of course, a, a good Eindhoven boy himself playing at PSV at the minute. OK, well, um, well look, you've had the chance on your own to uh, to look at that group, but uh, now we're going to welcome Zlati uh, to the show. Zlati, uh, you're on standby. You've been listening to Willem. Uh, Edge is very keen to jump out of the blocks with a question himself. How are you, mate? Very good, thank you, Rob. Very good. Um, very excited about tonight, obviously, with uh, the game on with uh, Ukraine. Yeah, so, um, so as we, we go as we record the show, um, our regular listeners will know that we're ahead of time, so so we haven't yeah. um, seen the results there. But uh, Michael uh, yeah. seems to think he knows a lot about Northern Macedonia's lardy. He's uh, he, he had a bit of a uh, a chant going earlier on. I just want to hear him give it a go to see how authentic he is. Well, uh, the, the chant that I'm used to is obviously back in the old NSL days, going to see the Burgers and Preston play those um, very tense well, how, matches. How does it go? How well, there used to be some bloke. And there is a rumour that it was Sasha Ogdenovsky's father who used to sit up the <laughs> back and yeah, he used to sit up the back and say Macedonia. But Zlati, that's not what they're uh, they're singing in the stands. Can you give us a bit of a rendition of what's going down over in uh, in Europe at the moment? Sure, sure. So that's the Australian version in Macedonia. <laughs> In the Europe, in Macedonia, of course, our, our anthem is Dernishna Macedonia Mila. And you've got to have your hand on your heart mm-hmm. as you're doing it and very, very uh, passionate about our team. You know what? Two million people in our country, third world country, but look at the team. I know we're on the bottom of the ladder of the group C. I get it. I get it. However, the Netherlands and Macedonia have got something in common. We know that, don't we? We both have beaten Germany. Well, tell us just just to go back to the, the big match against Austria because it was it was Goran Pandev who got the the first goal for Macedonia for North Macedonia in a in a in, in a competition like the Euros. But there is a bit of a story behind him. Um, uh, Zlatko. Uh, sorry, Zelko Kalic, obviously, was involved as a goalkeeping coach at Western City Wanderers, said that the, the Wanderers actually were chasing him because he played in, uh, he plays in the Serie A, he played for Inter, Lazio, Napoli, big clubs. Um, they were chasing him to sign as a marquee player. But um, according to Zelko on the Shim Spider and So Much More podcast, Zelko said, I quote, some pen pusher at the FFA said he was not a big enough name to be a marquee. So I just want to get your reaction to that pen pusher at the FFA who says Pandev, the panda, he's just not a big enough name. Oh, wait. So, so you know, like uh, he's our top scorer with 38 goals and he could say that, like, seriously, does he know he's football, mate. No, certainly, certainly not the only instance of the old FFA administration maybe uh, getting it wrong in terms of who they wanted to allocate that FFA and, and Foxtel Sports, uh, Fox Sports fund they had back in the day. Uh, Zlady, I've got a question for you. If the North Macedonians are to give the Dutch any grief overnight, I think it's going to come down to Ezgian Aliowski. Of course, he's at Leeds and he's clearly your best player. But my question is, why is he playing at left back? Well, 
Well, the thing is, uh, you know, our coach, uh, Igor Angelotti, now, well, you're probably wondering that we're probably <laughs> related, but I don't want to sort of uh, put that out there. But he, he just sort of feels that that's probably the best position that he can play for us uh, on that uh, particular team. Like, at the end of it, uh, you know, we've got to mix and match. And as we do, and as I said, you know, we're, the only way is up for us. You know, we're on the bottom there. And even though the uh, odds are not very good in our favour there, 17 to 1, but I'd be happy with the draw at 6.50, mate. Don't you worry about that. Fair enough. No, I'd have him I'd have him further up the park. But other than that, all the best. I think it's going to be a cracking match and um, certainly wouldn't uh, be too upset if a couple went in the way of uh, North Macedonia, Rob. You enjoy it slightly, but uh, you're going to be eliminated uh, after this game. So no, you'll no, be, no, no. You're looking down oh. the barrel. Hang on, Derek's sitting here. I think he's got something that he wants to throw in there that gives Slati some hope. Yeah, I was going to say, Zlati, um, the the magic number in this in this group stage is four. So you've you've, you've obviously uh, three points have gone. But what I'm thinking is, you know, get any result against Ukraine, and that could be a draw. And then Netherlands beat Austria. They're already through. They they're already on the yeah. beach for a few days, and then a famous night in in uh, Amsterdam to beat the Netherlands and get through to the next round. No, Mate, I, I love your thinking, and I'm with you. Well, I'm not. I am, Slarty. I, I, I think this could be. I think this could well, be that's Greece three against one. Yep. It, this exactly. This Brains, could be like Greece. Uh, Brains all, all those years ago. Time, you know that, um, and look, let's not forget we've got City R players. We've got uh, players from the Bundesliga. We've got Premier League players. I mean, they're of serious oh. side. So, so, uh, and they're passionate, aren't they, Slarty? Oh, mate! Can you imagine if it was back in uh, 1996 with Liechtenstein? versus Macedonia 11 to 1. That's what I'm hoping for. 11 to 1. And I'm not on anything, guys. I'm just excited about North Macedonia. Go Macedonia! <laughs> Thank you, mate. Thanks Thank for joining you, us again, brother. Good on you. Have a good night, guys. Thanks you very too. much. Well, good friends, Larry Angelovsky, very proud member of the diaspora of the Northern Macedonia. He wants to go into watching the game against Holland with a few beers under his belt, I think. And he probably will and be entitled to as they uh, have their most famous nights in set with Germany. No, no. Uh, Willem, he's been <laughs> keeping, he's, he's, keeping he's, a lid he's, on it. He's, he's keeping a lid on Holland, isn't he? He won't even back him. He's yeah. own team. Yeah, well, yeah, done, well. All right, boys. Well, let's wrap it up here. It's, uh, it's going to be, uh, well... Another fun week ahead before we uh, we talk about the Euros. We're going to be talking about the grand final in the A-League. We, we're going to be talking about selections of, uh, of Olympic squads as well. I'd expect um, that if they haven't been announced, they will be close, very soon. Yeah. Um, so it's all Maybe to come. Weeks, yeah. yeah, all right. Well, well done, uh, Willem. Uh, good luck for the, your, uh, your Oranja. Thank you, Rob. 290 episodes into Box to Box, as you mentioned. I think that was our busiest, but I think we got it all in. <laughs> we did, mate. Derek, thank you, mate. Uh, good luck on uh, on Saturday morning. Uh, you, yeah, look, you can't lose either way, I guess. Oh, no, no, no. Come on. Come on, Scotland. Let's um, send them homeward to think again. <laughs> Edge? Yes, I'm enjoying sure. the Euros. Um, it's been fantastic, and uh, I enjoyed Russia getting up over Finland too. That was good. And Damo, come on, mate. You haven't said anything so far. The Italians. Vos so Italian. Catanaccio is dead and buried. <laughs> it sure is, mate. They, and I don't, they hadn't scored three goals in the history of the Euros. They've done it twice in the first two games. They're uh, looking good, aren't they? That for a start. They are. They're looking mm. amazing. Gliding into the um, playoff stages. All right, well, well done, fellas. So we'll do it all again next week when we go from one end of the pitch to the other in the World Game.